Welcome to the 44th episode of the First Take Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Gadiel Cartagena, speaking with co-host Tyler Yarnell. Today we recap tons of takeaways from week three and get you ready for the waiver wire in week four. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the First Take Fantasy Football Podcast. Week three is officially in the books completely. We are not recording this on Monday. This is recorded on Tuesday, coming out on Tuesday. So we have a little bit uh, better understanding as to what happened on Monday Night Football. And uh, week three, kind of a crazy week. Um, a lot of players being out, so we weren't sure how exactly things were going to shake out for some offenses. Uh, Julio Jones missed, Devontae Adams. Uh, pretty good games uh, all across the NFL. Um, Tyler, what's probably your biggest takeaway, at least fantasy-related, for week three? I'd say the biggest takeaway for me is just Alvin Kamara is probably going to finish as the RB1 this year just because – Every every with Drew Brees, like he does not want to throw down the field, and we saw a bit of that last season. He he became a bit more hesitant on throwing deeper balls, but this year it's just like that times ten, and that that's leading to a significant amount of volume to Alvin Kamara. And yes, you could say that Michael Thomas being out is a is a significant factor as well, but. Like, this is going to continue even with Michael Thomas. Like, it's not going to be as, like, excessive as it's been, like 10 catches, 9 catches. But he's going to have a healthy uh, receiving work in this offense because, like, first of all, he is extremely talented as a, as a pass catcher. He's a top three pass catcher at, out of the backfield in the league. And he's been demonstrating that through these first three weeks. So um, in PPR leagues, half PPR leagues, like he's just absolutely eating right now, even though he's not getting the rushing work. So I, I think that the biggest takeaway is that unless um, Derrick Henry starts to become more efficient with his extreme amount of volume or Zeke Elliott just gets more receiving work, which he got a decent amount. He got 12 targets this week, but uh, if he gets that consistently, which is going to be hard to do with Michael Gallup, CeeDee Lamb, Amari Cooper. Like I, I'm forecasting uh, Alvin Kamara to finish as the wide, the running back one this, this year, which was, uh, I think, someone that we projected in the beginning of the season. But um, I, I, I'm just doubling down on that right now, saying that Alvin Kamara is going to finish as the, the RB1 this year. Yeah, Kamara's just uh, – he's insane. Um the Packers really helped him out because I don't like that one touchdown that went for like 55 yards, like freaking insane, dude, just, they didn't even try to tackle him. It's like, everyone was just giving him a cold shoulder and making it look like they were giving an effort. It was just arm tackles all around. Like it looked like a JV squad out there for the Packers playing defense, but the Packers won. And um, the Saints need Alvin Kamara to be good because like you said, Drew Brees is just, he's not getting it done the way that he has in the past. And yes, that's partially due to the fact that they're missing one of, if not the best receiver in the NFL in Michael Thomas. But still, um, <laughs> Alvin Kamara is going to see a ton of targets. 13 catches for 130 yards and two touchdowns. Um, if you took away all of his rushing production, he would still be the wide receiver four, I believe, in PPR leagues right now. So you have a top-tier wide receiver and pretty much RB2 production wrapped into one, and that is going to give you – the running back one on the year. So with McCaffrey being out, um, Zeke has a chance. He just needs to fall into the end zone more. That offensive line hasn't been healthy. 
And we know he's one of those running backs that is going to be more dependent on an offensive line because he's more dependent on ground volume than receiving volume. So I think Zeke's probably his best competition right now. Uh, Derrick Henry is on pace for 450 touches, which one, I don't think that keeps up. I think uh, Darrington Evans will eventually work his way into the offense a little bit, maybe take away like four or five touches a game. A.J. Brown will be involved and he'll be thrown to more. So the offense will be more balanced, which will help his efficiency. But that 450 touches, I get it. People are built different, but wow, that like 450 is just an insane number. Um, a few takeaways here. One, rookie wide receivers were showing up. Justin Jefferson went for 170 yards against the Titans on seven catches, I believe. Um, He's someone that on the waiver wire, I think it's interesting because like, I really like Justin Jefferson's talent. I think he's a great player and he will be a good player in the NFL for a long time. But once again, a Kirk Cousins offense, um, they were ridiculously efficient. The Titans just, I guess, were not playing defense. And I don't think that keeps up. There's still such a low pace, low volume offense that Justin Jefferson emerging is one going to hurt Adam Thielen like crazy. That will, like, if he is getting four to five, maybe six targets a game, Thielen is going to be un- very annoying to play because all you're going to be hoping for is a touchdown. I don't think he's going to see enough volume to even cross, like, 60 to 70 yards on a game-to-game basis. So, Adam Thielen takes a hit. Uh, Dalvin Cook will benefit if Justin Jefferson is good. Dalvin Cook will have a more spaced-out field, less stacked boxes. The way, like, people have been daring Kirk Cousins to throw if – Kirk Cousins is actually throwing Dalvin Cook will start playing a little bit better so uh that'll be good and um yeah with with Justin Jefferson I'm not dying to get him on the waiver wire there are other players that I prefer which we'll mention later on in the podcast but he definitely um can become something of value and if you can pick him up maybe he has another good game uh I don't know if they're going to play this week because of the whole COVID thing and them and the Titans kind of maybe having their games rescheduled but Justin Jefferson maybe will end up being something worthy of a fantasy pickup, maybe trade value. That's probably the best thing. I don't want to rely on him, but I see trade value there. And another rookie receiver that showed out was T Higgins. Um, I did post on our Instagram before the game because I saw John Ross with a healthy scratch and T Higgins has officially taken the number three receiver spot. And if you watch that game, he looked like the number two receiver on the team. Tyler Boyd was a clear number one option. Uh, T. Higgins was getting those deep ball, uh, important targets that A.J. Green has been getting. And they connected on a few. He scored two touchdowns, had six catches for, I think, 50 yards. Um, had a bad drop. Or not a drop, but the ball was, like, really – it was his arms were outstretched and it hit the tip of his fingertips down the field. That would have gotten him, like, another 40 yards. But he saw 150 air yards in his first NFL start. So I'm viewing him as one of the priority waiver ads this week. For me, if you're getting that kind of opportunity – in an offense that throws as much as the Bengals, I think you're a must-add, and especially given the fact he's super talented and he wears a number 85, which Ocho Cinco wore, obviously. Um, I mean, he's got the swag. He's got the talent. He's got the opportunity. T. Higgins, man. I'm excited about T. Higgins. Um, yeah, Tyler, any other, any other takeaways before I keep going here? Well, um, I just want, I want, I want to open you to uh, allow you to take your victory lap on Daryl Henderson after his, uh, his fantastic showing this week. I think he had 23 touches total, 20 carries for 115 yards. Dice uh, up the Bills. Yeah. Comple- like, completely came in as the workhorse. Malcolm Brown had seven attempts. Uh, Robert Woods had, like, three attempts. He's not going to do that again or consistently. But 
Daryl Henderson looks like the best running back on this team right now, especially with Cam Akers just being kind of rusty or just not looking as great in his first year in the NFL. But um, yeah, Daryl Henderson looks like a, a great fit for this this uh, run scheme that Sean McVay is employing. So um, yeah, that, I personally did not see this coming as a um, I put him as the bottom of my uh, waiver pickups between the four running backs that we had last week and you put him at the top. So all credit goes to you. Um, yeah. Besides that, um, last night's game, man, Chiefs versus Ravens. I was shocked. I was one of the people that thought Baltimore was going to win this game. And I thought it would be by 10 plus I, the Chiefs won their defense, their, their front four were getting pressure on Lamar Jackson all night. That was unbelievable. I was shocked watching the whole game, honestly. Yeah. My takeaway from that is that with good defenses, like defenses are going to give pressure and are in like pretty big games. I think that Lamar isn't going to struggle, but like they're, they're going to force him to make more outside throws. And that's where he's continued to struggle uh, throughout his short career. And I could see his, his his scoring output be a bit a little bit tempered because like it, these teams have a full year's film on Lamar Jackson now and the smarter teams are going to execute they're going to take advantage of that and take away uh, his strengths and force him into his weaknesses and the the biggest weakness that Lamar Jackson has demonstrated in his first 3 years of his career has been throwing outside balls um just like stuff that's not down the middle through seam routes to Mark Andrews and whatnot. And uh, yeah, that, that's exactly what the chiefs did. They forced him to throw the outside. They put pressure on him. I was just surprised to see the chiefs put more pressure on Lamar Jackson than the Ravens put more pressure, put pressure on Patrick Mahomes because the chiefs offensive line is not very good. I think, I believe their offensive guard didn't even play or was inactive like two hours before the game because yeah. of uh, some injury. I think it was a chest injury. So he was taken out, but um, Ravens offensive line is very good. And their defensive line is also very good as well. So it, it just came off as a surprise that Lamar Jackson was the one that was running around uh, evading the, the defensive line for the chiefs, as opposed to Lamar or Patrick Mahomes uh, not being as pressured. So um, when that happens, Patrick Mahomes is going to dice up your defense. I don't care who you have in your secondary. Like, he's way too talented, has way too good of weapons to be allowed to have that kind of uh, comfortability in the in the pocket. And that's exactly what happened. They went out to a 28-10 to 10 lead in the first half. And, yeah, that was, that was crazy to watch. But with Lamar dominant. Jackson, yeah, it was dominant. And – with Lamar Jackson, he's going to continue to eat against like these these lesser teams. Like he plays the Bengals two times a year, plays the the Browns again as well. I don't know his full schedule, but those teams like he's going to put up his 25, 30 point games. But against better defenses, like he plays the Steelers two times this year, it's going to be a bit tempered for him. So that was my that was another big takeaway that I took from yesterday. 
Yeah, the good thing for the Ravens is the the playoffs and the Super Bowl aren't won in week three, but that sure as hell did not instill any confidence in them uh, matching up with KC in the playoffs because obviously the Chiefs have been there. The Ravens have not succeeded in the playoffs thus far. Um, yeah, I was I was thoroughly impressed with the Chiefs. And like you said, I was I thought that Mahomes was going to be the one getting pressured, but it was Lamar all night. So credit to the Chiefs. They look great, man. They looked fantastic. I'm excited to see – uh, my Patriots see how they match up with the Chiefs next week, but I think you're going to see a lot better defensive coaching uh, for the Patriots next week as opposed to what the Ravens did last night because what's kind of given Mahomes trouble uh, before, I guess they missed Earl Thomas because you need a you need a free safety that can kind of play uh, outfield and just sit back there and just make reads and make Mahomes hit tight window throws 40 yards down the field, which he absolutely can. There's a reason he's one of the best in the league, but you beat them by pressing them because if you don't press the Chiefs at the line, like you saw with Miko Hardman and Tyreek Hill, if you don't press them at the line, they're going to get behind you. I don't care how much cushion you give them. It's just going to happen. They're that fast. So this Chiefs offense is just insane. And Clyde Oder-Tolaire, uh, he didn't put up great numbers fantasy-wise yesterday, but I think he had 130 total yards. And he's just he makes this offense so much harder to stop like there were times where there'd be a huge pile and Clyde Oda would not fall like six people on him he would just not go down like he just runs so hard he's so intelligent I'm very very impressed with him and if for some reason people are selling him in your leagues or maybe not selling him but if he's not being valued as an RB1 which he is uh go ahead and pick him up I think he had five catches yesterday also so that passing work is starting to come uh, the rushing work isn't going to be there super, super consistently. Um, I feel like they want to get Daryl Hen- Williams involved a little bit uh, later in games. I don't know why the hell Darwin Thompson was playing. He pretty much let the Ravens get back into the game yesterday. But Clyde Artis-Alaire, man, very, very impressed with him. I'm really, really liking what I'm seeing out of the rookie. He's He's definitely earning that first-round draft capital right now. Yeah, that was another takeaway that I had. I, I mean, overall, through these first three weeks, like, the Chiefs are comfortable with giving Clyde Edwards a layer, like a full workload. Like he had 20 carries. Granted, it was 65 yards, but Ravens defense is stout. And we mentioned it before, Chiefs offensive line isn't great. But Clyde made a lot of those yardage. Like if it was like a, just a generic guy in there, he, they, they would do a lot worse than that. So, yeah, with Clyde, they, they're comfortable giving him the, the full workload. I don't know how that would have fared with uh, Damian Williams in there, but – with him out and it's just a a, a group of Clyde, Daryl Williams, Darwin Thompson, like I think he got like twenty five touches last last night. So yeah. For for a guy that of his stature, that was uh I guess a little bit surprising, but I mean with someone as talented as Clyde, like I you wanna give him that that kind of workload if you have a guy like that. Yeah, he he just he makes him so hard to stop. Um, just some more takeaways, real quick. Uh, Tariq Cohen did tear his ACL yesterday, so I actually think that in terms of fantasy value, obviously we want Tariq Cohen to wish him a speedy recovery, but we do have to look at this through a fantasy lens. Uh, in terms of fantasy value, I think David Montgomery, uh, Allen Robinson, Anthony Miller, even Cordero Patterson and Jimmy Graham, I think they all get a slight boost. Tariq Cohen's coming off of a hundred target season, so that he wasn't getting targeted too much this year but that frees up a lot of opportunity for everybody else in this offense. And maybe they become a a little bit more usable from a fantasy perspective. Maybe Allen Robinson isn't the only one you want to start on a week to week basis. 
David Montgomery definitely, definitely gets a big bump there because we saw John DeFilippo last year wanted to give the ball to Leonard Fournette in the passing game. And Montgomery is more than capable of doing that. He can run routes. He can do a little bit of everything. Uh, so, you know, as much as, as boring as Montgomery was last year, maybe he's taking a step in the right direction. I mean, he's really been good for this Bears team that is somehow in some way 3-0. and So credits to them. Uh, they look – I mean, I won't say great, but they look solid. They look like a decent team. 3-0, and you have a good chance to make the playoffs when you start that way. So that's good for them. Uh, Kenyon Drake has been very disappointing in terms of the passing game. Uh, he hasn't gotten the targets that we were hoping for. I think right now he's, like, equal with Derrick Henry with, like, six, maybe five targets on the year. Um, just not what you want out of Kenyon Drake. We're expecting this great usage, 300-plus touches. Um, that all that isn't all there right now. So right now, until further notice, uh, with Kyler Murray running the ball the way that he is, uh, Kenyon Drake's touchdowns will come. But right now, he's just a touchdown dependent RB two. So if he scores one touchdown, he'll probably be an RB two. If he scores two, he'll be an RB one. But that's not what you're really hoping for in the second, maybe third round. So Kenyon Drake's slightly disappointing. I would still be buying him. I do believe in the talent and whatever. But I also, uh, I am. I'm not going to say I'm not worried with Kenyon Drake. Uh, the usage is not exactly what we wanted, which the usage is what you have to follow this early in the seasons. Touchdowns will come and go for all players, but if the usage is there, you're in good shape. If the usage isn't there, oof, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, Kenny Galladay returning was a big boost for the Lions offense, obviously, but more so than anything, I think it turned TJ Hawkinson into a viable fantasy tight end. So he saw seven targets and he went from averaging, he pretty much doubled his average depth of target. He went from 4.8 to 9.6 and average depth of target is very big, especially for players like TJ Hawkinson who can create after the catch. If he's catching the ball at the second level of the defense, he breaks one tackle. He's going for 40. If he catches the ball on the first level of the defense, he breaks one tackle. He's going for five yards. So the upside is much, much higher on a week to week basis. If TJ Hawkinson is being targeted more downfield, which he was with Galladay back. So I think with Galladay, they're returning to this super vertical, uh, down the field, big play, chunk play offense that is super good for fantasy purposes. So uh, TJ Hawkins or Kenny Galladay pretty much helps everyone. Uh, I honestly think he helps Marvin Jones. He'll be inconsistent, but the ceiling will be higher because he's seeing number two coverage. Obviously, Galladay being back helps Galladay. Hawkinson gets a boost. Stafford gets a boost. And I don't know what the hell is going on with DeAndre Swift. He only played 8% of snaps, and Adrian Peterson got 23 touches this past week. So whoever the running back is there also gets a boost because their offensive line is solid. So, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Oh, and two more things. Uh, Tyler, I want you to comment on this. I, I think we're running out of excuses for Joe Mixon. Um, the, the, the touches are there. Obviously, he's not getting the passing work that you want, but he's – Right now, what he's performing like is last year's David Montgomery. Like, it's like a lot of touches. It's really boring. Not a lot of touchdowns. Uh, not a lot of passing work. They're giving it to somebody else for really no reason. Um, I think Joe Mixon right now is an RB2 by volume, and that could keep going down. He's a good matchup this week, and then his schedule gets disgusting after that. I'm, I'm super worried if I'm a Joe Mixon owner. Yeah, and uh, if you did – draft Joe Mixon you probably draft him in the second round possibly even first round if you're very high on him but um, I think that the issue here has been what the issue has been the last two years and and that's the the offensive line you know they they 
brought back Jonah Williams, who missed last season with the torn ACL, but a rookie is not going to revamp your whole offensive line. So um, that, that's been the issue with him the past two years. And along with that, the, the passing work just has not been there overall. I think that has a little bit to do with Gio Bernard just being there and just having a presence in the offense. But the offense as a whole, the scheme is not really fit to get the ball to running backs in the passing game in, in the passing. So with Joe Mixon, like the ceiling is kind of capped for his, his passing work. And with the rushing work, like it's going to be very inconsistent. It's going to be not very efficient. So yeah, I'm, I'm definitely worried uh, about Joe Mixon. Luckily I don't have any shares of him because he was going in that second round and Amongst those second round options, like I would have taken uh, Nick Chubb, Kenny Drake, any of the above. Like he was in that tier, but he was at the bottom of it. So uh, hopefully you, you aren't relying on Joe Mixon as an RB2. Maybe you picked up another running back later on in the draft. But man, it's it's tough to, to be a Joe Mixon owner right now because like you don't want to sell well on him right now. But you also like, it's, it's not fun to have him on your team when he's putting up like whatever he's putting up like 20 for 60, no touchdowns and minimal receiving work. Yeah. It's just, Oh, right now he's Leonard Fournette without the receiving work from last year. Like it's just not, it's not pretty owning Joe Mixon. And uh, if you're buying low, like if you want to try to buy low on him, I don't blame you because obviously he is talented and we've seen this before. He'll start slow and then they'll start feeding him and they'll get better. But this team wants Joe Burrow to be the next Peyton Manning and they're going to give him every opportunity to do so, which kind of uh, kicks Joe Mix into the curb a little bit. They don't care if he's running up numbers or not. What they want to see is how can Joe Burrow carry this team, which obviously he looks more than able to. So I think Joe Burrow is not going to go anywhere um, unless he gets hurt. Uh, knock on wood. Hope that doesn't happen, but I, this is not good. Not good for Joe Mixon. Don't love it. And uh, yeah, Daryl Henderson, like you said, best running back on the Rams right now. Uh, after three weeks, I don't think there's a question with that. Malcolm Brown fading into oblivion. Cam Akers, just very raw talent. It, I think he could become like a 15 plus touch guy on a weekly basis if everyone is healthy in that backfield. If not, obviously the touches might go up a little bit. But one thing I'd like to see from the Rams this past weekend. Um, which I think helps the entire offense is they remained really, really balanced. So even they were down, I think it was uh, 21, 28 to three, like some, something like that. I think it was 28 to three. And uh, they, they stayed for those, that run that they went on in the second half, they were 50, 50 run pass. So they were just staying completely true to themselves. I really like that from McVay. I think he's taken a step forward in terms of an offensive coordinator and uh whatever job because they put up 30 or no what did they put up against the bills was it 32 i think no, it was 20. the final score was 31 30 35 31 let me see it was yeah i'm not sure but they looked really really good in the second half against a really good defense so it was impressive to see the rams be able to do that 35 to 32 35 32 yeah 32 points on the bills um especially in the way that they were playing early on. Uh, 
the Rams are looking like the well-oiled machine we saw a few years ago. So like uh, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, uh, Daryl Henderson, uh, Tyler Higby also, although Higby's going to be very inconsistent. Um, they all look good. They all look like they were good values in the draft. So that's obviously a really good thing. And I think that's pretty much it for the takeaways. Oh, no, one more. <laughs> um, this is one of my favorite takeaways, the 49ers. So they put up 36 with pretty much a JV offense uh, against the New York Giants. And yes, it's a New York Giants. You can shit on them as much as you want. But at the end of the day, they're still an NFL team. They're, they have players that are making millions of dollars to play defense. And Kyle Shanahan was just joking. Like he was just having fun. Like jet sweeps to Brandon Ayuk for like 30 yards and a touchdown. Um, everybody touching the ball, everybody being involved. Jarek McKinnon was a workhorse until he got that rib contusion, I think in the early third quarter. Um, so he killed it. Jeff Wilson Jr. killed it. And I think what you're going to see is obviously as they bring all their talent back, because they have a talented offense, they have George Kittle, who's for my money, the best tight end in the NFL. You have Debo Samuel, who's one of the most explosive players after the catch in the NFL. Um, you also have Raheem Mostert, who is the fastest player in the NFL right now, at least by next gen stats. I think he hit 23 miles per hour on a run the other week. They have some talent on this offense. And I think when they all are healthy, if they all get healthy, so I'm, I'm counting on like week five to be the week where everyone's healthy. Um, this offense could be a fantasy factory. That's kind of the way that I'm viewing it because Shanahan has the best offensive line I think he's ever had in his entire coaching career, which is scary because it, that system is predicated on the offensive line getting out in space and blocking in space. And if you have Trent Williams and George Kittle leading the way for Debo Samuel or Raheem Mostert or Jarek McKinnon, 20 yards down the field, it's going to be a touchdown every time. I am all in on getting pretty much buying low on 49ers players right now because I just – I think the talent is there. The fit for all these players is fantastic. And I am I'm, – I'm all in on the 49ers being really good. I would love to buy a piece of this offense if I could. Um, if Debo Samuel is even available on your, on your waivers because uh, he's hurt, stash him on your IR spot. He might not be back this week, but – this offense, I'm, I'm excited. The, losing Nick Bosa and Solomon Thomas definitely uh, will allow defenses to score a little bit more points. So they can, I think they're going to be shootouts left and right for this team. And I'm, I'm super excited for the 49ers offense right now. Oh, yeah. And like, like you said at the end, like the, the defense is heavily worse than, than it was last season where they had just studs all over the, the field or all over the, the, defensive line and obviously that's that has to do with uh, some injuries that they took in that week two that terrible week two but yeah they're going to be throwing a lot more than they did last season and Shanahan's just going to get guys in space like wherever they are like they have a bunch of players that that can make plays in uh, open space with Raheem Oster, Jarek McKinnon, Debo, uh, Brandon Ayuk, like they, they aren't fantastic players, but if Shanahan gets them open in space, like they can make things work. They can make things happen. Mm -hmm. And yeah, th this is going to be something fun to watch. Uh, Garoppolo is someone that is a dark horse to finish as a QB one this season because of that. And yeah, like you said, it's just going to be fun to watch. If you're a 49ers fan and you're down on, you know, you're, you're, your team dealing with a bunch of injuries, like it might've taken you away from a possible uh, Super Bowl appearance or being a Super Bowl contender. But like, this is gonna, just going to be a fun team to watch because yeah. like Kyle Shanahan is literally just like 
messing around right now like just it, playing it's games so fun games. watching them play like the, their pre-snap motion and everything like it's literally just like it's football like bliss watching them play 36 points on the new york giants with literally name a receiver on their team outside of brandon Ayuk. like no one they had, knows. Jordan, they had jordan reed for like a quarter and then he got hurt and i hope you i hope you're doing okay jordan reed he just got uh, put on ir but he should be yeah. okay after that yeah, um, I think it was one of those like two week injuries and they're just playing it safe at this point. They're just trying to get everybody healthy. Um, I still wouldn't be surprised if they made the playoffs. Uh, this team is still really good. And like I said, this offensive line is probably the best in the NFL right now. So they're going to they're going to be having a blast. Uh, that run game, Jarek McKinnon and Raheem Mostert. I'm buying both of them right now. Raheem Mostert has low RB1 upside or honestly mid RB1 upside if he keeps scoring touchdowns. But I think you can count him as like a high RB2, low RB1. And Jarek McKinnon's a flex. And if Mostert goes down, Jarek McKinnon becomes the same thing as Mostert, but with receiving upside or more receiving upside. So definitely buying all of that. Love, love the 49ers offense moving forward. Um, so now waiver wire pickups. Obviously, everyone going into week three or week four. Um, you want to get these guys. Uh, the one quarterback that I would stream this week, uh, we'll probably mention him on our start sits, is going to be Joe Burrow. If he's available on your waiver wire, just pick him up. They're throwing the ball a ridiculous amount. And maybe the production isn't all there, but it wouldn't surprise me if one of these days Joe Burrow had a game where he threw over 500 yards. And I know that sounds crazy to say for a rookie, but they're throwing the ball literally like almost 50 times a game. (laughs) Like it is just unfair the amount that they're throwing the ball and they're giving Joe Burrow every opportunity to break every rookie record possible. And now that T Higgins is involved, uh, the run game isn't great. They're going to rely on Burrow every single play and, he has receivers to do it. I mean, A.J. Green isn't what he used to be, but Tyler Boyd is taking another step forward. Tyler Boyd is balling right now. So, Tyler, I know you were super high on Tyler Boyd. It looks like you were right. Like, he's getting tons of targets, and he's creating with them. He's looking like one of the best slot receivers in the NFL, which is huge for Burrow being a rookie. So, if you can stream Joe Burrow this week against Jacksonville, that is the streamer of the week. The, saying that right now, that is who you want. I think Joe Burrow has – I want to say a coming out party. I think this is, he's had some pretty good games thus far and he almost beat the Eagles last week, but that was partially due to the fact that Carson Wentz was actually blind on Sunday. Um, But Joe Burrow, I think this is going to be the week where everyone's like, whoa, this kid is seriously a superstar and he's going to beat, uh, he's going to outduel Gardner Minshew and he's going to win the Bengals first game. And they're going to be one, two and one after this week. Yeah. And, um, you know, he, he had a pretty solid game against the Cleveland Browns in week two. And maybe it went a little bit under the radar because they, they ended up losing. But, like, Joe Burrow, man, they are not treating him like a rookie in Cincinnati. Like like you said, they're throwing the ball, like, 50 times a game. He threw the ball 62 times in that Cleveland game. So they have no worries, like, holding him back. And to be honest, he doesn't look like a rookie whatsoever. Like, the way that he plays – the composure that he has in the pocket and as a like as a football player in general like this team voted him as a team captain in his rookie year because they they believe in his leadership like he he just came out and became a leader from day one in their in training camp so in no way shape or form are they treating him as a rookie and as far as fantasy goes like that's very good for Joe Burrow's value, especially considering the weapons that he has here. You mentioned T. Higgins, Boyd, A.J. Green. Maybe if they want to get John Ross involved at some point, that'd be fun. Um, 
and obviously having Gio Bernard, Joe Mixon in the backfield, they're, they're not going to be heavily incorporated, but they just help Joe Burrow's fantasy value. So he's another dark horse to finish as a QB1 this, this season because of the excessive amount of volume that he's going to get and just the overall talent that he is. Like he is not – he's making some rookie mistakes, which, oh, well, like it's going to happen. Cincinnati has really nothing to lose right now because – they're, they're playing with house money with Joe Burrow. They, they're slowly figuring out, like, who they have. If they haven't figured it out already, like, they have a franchise quarterback. And, yeah, they're, they're just letting Joe Burrow loose right now. And I, for fantasy purposes, that's exactly what you want to see. 300. So, each of his last two games against the Browns and the Eagles, both on the road, he has over 300 yards, uh, 316 and then 312. Uh, five touchdowns in those two games and zero interceptions. <laughs> that's that's not a rookie. That's not a rookie. This this dude is a stud. I'm I'm excited for the Bengals. Um, maybe not this year, obviously, because it doesn't look like they're going to be too great. But uh, as they build that O line around him and they build that defense, the offense is already in really good shape. Honestly, um, you just need the line to protect Joe Burrow. It's going to be Bengals fans actually have something to look forward to, which is crazy to say because I feel like they've been just so mediocre forever. Although they made the playoffs a lot, but you never felt like they were an actual contender. Uh, this isn't Andy Dalton. This isn't a fake good quarterback. This is a superstar quarterback in the making right now, and it's going to be fun for them. So, yeah, Joe Burrow, definitely uh, – I could talk about Joe Burrow all day. It's just I'm, I really root for the guy. Uh, mm-hmm. Really excited for him. Um, we'll go over to the running backs now. Now – this week, the running backs are really ugly for the waiver wire. So, like, I'm not dropping a lot of the players that we already own. Like, this is just – if you have someone that just got injured, maybe a free spot on your bench, then you pick one of these guys up. But I'm not dropping anyone really of value for these guys. Um, number one on this list is going to be – obviously, okay, if Jarek McKinnon and Daryl Henderson are available on your waiver wire, maybe a Miles Gaskin, who knows – pick up those guys, the ones that you know are going to get volume and are involved in their offenses already. But these guys we're picking up is pretty much Carlos Hyde, Chris Carson, fill-in. Brian Hill is probably the one guy that I'm most interested in here because Atlanta's uh, schedule really lightens up. And Brian Hill, objectively speaking, has looked way better than Todd Gurley. Um, Gurley finally broke his first tackle yesterday, so congratulations, Todd Gurley. Uh, Snap for Todd Gurley. Yeah, we'll, we'll snap it up for him. Um, one broken tackle on 49 carries. So, and he also, oh, get this. He caught one pass for two yards, which is four times his average yards per catch on the season. Let's go. So now he's at one yard per catch on the year. That is game breaking stuff from Todd Gurley. But in all seriousness, Brian Hill looked impressive on his nine or so touches or carries against the Chicago Bears. And that schedule lightens up. So if you own Todd Gurley, I'd be picking up Brian Hill. Um, This looks like it's going to be already a committee pretty much for the rest of the season. Gurley obviously being the lead back. But there is the chance that either Gurley gets hurt or just obviously does not help them to win in the slightest. And Brian Hill gets that job. Not that Brian Hill is a game-breaking talent, but they need to win games. And Brian Hill might help them do that more than Todd Gurley is at this point. Um, Another player to pick up who has actual flex upside, Adrian Peterson. Um, 23 touches for the Lions last week. Like we said, that offense is opening up with Kenny Galladay being back. It's nothing crazy. Once again, no one, there's no league winners for these running backs at least, but the potential for a fill-in is there. So Adrian Peterson, if you have Chris Carson hurt and Carlos Hyde's already gone, Adrian Peterson's a guy that you could pick up. 
And the last guy that I'm going to talk about here is literally just in like the deepest of deepest of deep leagues. Uh, Cordero Patterson with Tariq Cohen going down. I believe he had four catches for, I don't even know how many yards, but Cordero Patterson, explosive. We know kind of who he is at this point. Uh, he's a mix, he's a gadget player. He's nothing too crazy, but I would, it's going to be fun to see scat back Cordero Patterson as opposed to receiver Cordero Patterson. So seeing him on third down is going to be cool. Uh, he still runs like a 4-3 and he's like 225 pounds. So that's obviously scary. Um, yeah. So Tyler, between these four kind of disgusting names at running back, who are you, who, who would be the priority for you? So it was Brian Hill, AP, Corderell. Who's the fourth guy? Oh, Carlos Hyde. Yeah, Carlos Hyde. Just because Chris Carson might be out this week. I think it depends on what you're looking for. But if you're looking for a guy to play this week, I'd say pending Chris Carson's availability, if he doesn't play, uh, Carlos Hyde is the first guy to go to just because he has the most opportunity here. Um, Worst case scenario, if, Like, given Chris Carson playing or not playing, the worst-case scenario for Carlos Hyde is, like, a 14-touch game. Like, he's going to be incorporated into the offense, even if Travis Homer uh, takes away from his touches. So, I think that it's between him and uh, Adrian Peterson. If you're looking for someone to, like, throw in first week, and we don't really know much about Chris Carson's injury. Like, it's a knee sprain, but we don't know about his availability right now. So I would go with I would go with Adrian Peterson first, just because plays against the Saints. Does he? Sadly, All right. So we'll, we'll put him at two. <laughs> we'll put him at two because we, we know what the Saints have up front. We know what we they've done to most running backs. I don't know how how the efficiency was for Aaron Jones on Sunday night because, uh, um, but. Adrian Peterson, you know, we, we saw him get a lot of volume this past week, twenty-three touches. They want to get the run game incorporated in Detroit. They want to get play action going. So they're going to get a lot of uh, they're going to give a lot of touches to the running backs. Hopefully, that eventually go- goes to DeAndre Swift. But for the time being, it looks like Adrian Peterson is the number one running back in this offense. Um, next, I would go Brian Hill just because of the injury history that Gurley has and just because he's incorporated into this offense, regardless, like he's going to get his eight to 10 touches yeah. because they don't, I don't think that they, they see Gurley as a workhorse at this moment. And the more that they watch, the more that we all watch Todd Gurley play, the more we realize that he is not as, not as far ahead as these other running backs that they have on the roster. So Brian Hill would be uh, my third. And then Cordero Patterson. I mean, I think that the Tariq Cohen injury benefits David Montgomery a lot more than it does Cordero Patterson. I think that we saw Patterson have – we've seen Patterson have a pretty uh, solidified role in this offense just kind of as the scat back. And that was there before Tariq Cohen was hurt. So I think that he still gets his, like, six to eight touches. Maybe it goes from that to eight to ten. But David Montgomery is pretty set with his role, and I don't think that Patterson can really take away from that. So yeah. I would go Hyde, uh, Peterson, Hill, and then Patterson. Okay, I like that. Yeah, I probably agree with that, uh, especially if Carlos Hyde kind of gets that starting nod this week. Even if Carson plays, uh, I don't know if he gets the full workload. So 
Hyatt is a shot in the dark, but he's probably better than any one of these guys this week. Um, the only other running back that I want to mention for waivers would be Jeff Wilson Jr. And it looks like Raheem Mostert might play this week as well as Jarek McKinnon. But if there is the chance that both of those guys are either limited or not playing this week, Jeff Wilson Jr. is going to be anywhere from an RB1 to an RB2. Um, if he gets that workload, like I said, that 49ers offensive line opens things up for everybody, and they'll do the same for Jeff Wilson. I think he scored two touchdowns last week. He obviously is trusted by Kyle Shanahan. He's kind of gotten that uh, red zone work before. So Jeff Wilson Jr. could end up being fantasy relevant this week. Keep your eyes on Jarek McKinnon and Raheem Mostert. Um, I think both should play based upon the things that I've heard. Uh, McKinnon said he's aight on his Twitter, and Raheem Mostert uh, wanted to play this past week, but they just wanted to keep it safe and not let him play on that MetLife turf again. So we'll see what happens with that. Uh, the receivers here are the ones that I'm way more excited to talk about, primarily because of the rookies. Obviously, we have the trio of good rookies that kind of had great games this past week. Uh, Justin Jefferson, T. Higgins, Brandon Ayuk. Um, Ayuk has another good matchup this week with Philadelphia. I don't think he's going to get shadowed by uh, Darius Slay. And outside of that, they don't really have the best cover corners. So Ayuk is a good pickup in an offense that gets players in space and makes things easy on the rookies. Um, T. Higgins against Jacksonville. If John Ross is a healthy scratch again, T. Higgins is a start. Um, A.J. Green's getting the number one coverage, and Joe Burrow already looks like he has that rapport with T. Higgins. So T. Higgins is a good pickup right there. And Justin Jefferson, um, I believe Minnesota plays against Houston, so he would actually be a good matchup, but we don't know if they're actually going to play this week. So – uh, as we kind of learn what is going on in Minnesota and whether they're going to postpone the game or not this weekend, then obviously that's where you figure out if you're going to pick up Justin Jefferson or not, because there's no point in picking him up if he's not going to gain value this week. You might as well pick up one of Ayuk or uh, Higgins instead and not stash Justin Jefferson on your bench until he's actually playing a game. So between those three, Tyler, which are you uh, prioritizing this week? I think the first goes to T Higgins just because like you said earlier, he solidified himself as the number three in this offense. And, you know, it's not going to provide a consistent value just because there's, there's other mouths to feed in uh, Cincinnati, but there's just so much passing volume coming out of here. And I, I don't believe that it'll be consistent, but there's the possibility that he could be a flex play, uh, as the season continues because he's going to continue to progress as a player while AJ green could either regret, like get worse as a player or just straight up get traded because he does not look great right now in Cincinnati. And I think that's the upside you're looking for with T Higgins. But even at that, like this, this offense is throwing the ball like 40 times a game. T Higgins is, is able to, if T Higgins is able to get uh targets consistently like he could be uh above way above like any of these players um so yeah I'm going with T Higgins first uh what was it Ayuk Jefferson and then who was the fourth guy oh no it was just it was just three. Oh, okay yeah I mean if you uh, want to throw Chase Claypool in there because he's been showing out but I don't think he has a solidified role this. yet yeah it's coming it's soon it, it is coming. It is coming. That's for sure. He looks – I was upset when we drafted Claypool. He looks very, very good. Mapletron. Yeah. Looks like a game-breaking player right now because, yeah. like, what are you going to do? Put a 
put a corner on him, he's literally just going to moss you. Like, he, he's going to make you look silly. And he's just – as far as his speed at that size, it's – What's his 40 time? That. Does he run a 4-4? Four, four? I think it was 4-3. Four, four, That's three, crazy. Five, four, three, nine. That literally, the, I don't get it. The Steelers actually do not miss. I mean, you can consider James Washington a miss. The last time they missed on a pick, really, I feel it was like – or at least an offensive pick because Terrell Edmonds was low-key trash. Um, Dree Archer was like the last pick that I remember where I was like – I would go – well, if we're talking receivers, Sammy Coates was a miss. Well, who was, was like, did he get picked before or after Dree, Dree Archer? I don't even know. I'm pretty sure it was after. That it was, was after? like 2013. Okay. Like, they're so good with receivers. Like, they consistently just – Antonio Brown, Emmanuel Sanders, Mike Wallace. Uh, who San Antonio else? Holmes. San Antonio Holmes. Um, Juju, obviously. Like, there's so much greatness coming from the Steelers receiving cores. And now you have Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool. They're so good, they might not even sign Juju Smith-Schuster again, which I honestly wouldn't blame them. You have these two guys that look like studs on cheap rookie deals. Uh I wonder if you guys do trade James Washington this year because he's a good player and has value, um, but obviously just not good enough for Pittsburgh right now, given how good Pittsburgh's receivers are. So, yeah, um, Chase Claypool, uh, keep your eye on him. I wouldn't pick him up yet in redraft leagues, but um, there always is the chance that maybe if Deontay Johnson misses more time. I think Claypool led the team in snaps last week with Deontay Johnson out. So... The opportunity will come for that guy. Um, I'm excited for him. But moving on from rookies, I want to talk about four more veteran receivers, or three. Um, obviously, Debo Samuel is on IR, but if he is on your waiver wire, like I said earlier, pick him up. He has wide receiver two upside. I'd look at him more as a flex from the jump, but there always is a potential for him to take a step as a receiver and be that number one guy that San Francisco needs. So keep your eye on Debo Samuel, obviously. Um, but the other three that I want to talk about here is uh, Hunter Renfro, who's coming off a really good game against the pretty good New England Patriots secondary. Um, he was killing him. He, he really was. He was one receiver getting open for Derek Carr. I think he had nine targets. Uh, best player on the Raiders offense this past weekend. Um, so between him, Curtis Samuel, and Golden Tate, uh, how would you rank these three moving forward? You know, I like Golden Tate's value here just because he's had pretty consistent uh, play since he's been and I think he missed the first week, but the last two weeks. I don't know if you mentioned it, he had he had five catches. So he has a clear role with Daniel Jones, and we saw the rapport that they had last season. I think that he led the team in targets through those last eight or so games because he, he missed the first four or yeah, the, the last – whenever he was in, I think he, he led the team in targets. I think it was the last 12 games. But, yeah, Golden Tate is probably the number one guy. Uh, Renfro is probably the next guy. I don't know. He, he just – he looked good against uh, New England, and he had that late touchdown. He got a pretty decent amount of volume from Derek Carr. I'm not sure that's going to be consistent because Henry Ruggs was out and – He's going to be running the slot once he's back in. But, uh, you know, if you're desperate right now, Hunter Redfro could be a solid play this week because uh, Henry Ruggs is going to be out, I believe. So, yeah, I don't think he's going to be back uh, this early. Yeah, so Renfro is someone that, if very desperate, maybe a 12-team uh, league, 
and you're dealing with injuries, Renfro is someone that you can fill in, uh, get a decent amount of volume. Uh, so yeah, Renfro's next. And then Curtis Samuel, Curtis Samuel. Yeah. Yeah. I feel the same way about Samuel. It sucks. Cause like <laughs> every time we think that it's going to be D or Curtis Samuel's like time, it's going to be like his, his time to shine. Like it just never happens. Yeah. Like they're, they're, we've gotten so many of the preseason, like Curtis Samuel looks amazing at camp it doesn't even sound right anymore. And like, we thought that he would have the uh, a more of a running back role in this offense this week, given that uh, Christian McCaffrey is out and Mike Davis, you know, is solid, but Curtis Samuel can do more receiving wise out of the backfield. They just, they re- they didn't use him uh, very much out of the backfield, which is very disappointing. So if he's just continuing to be a wide receiver, like he's going to need one of DJ Moore or Robbie Anderson to be hurt because DJ Moore is number one in the pecking order and Teddy Bridgewater just, I don't know, has, has something with, with Robbie Anderson. He just, he just loves looking at him, staring him down and then throwing it to him. So um, literally yeah, those, those two are going to get a lot of the passing work as, as well as Mike Davis out of the backfield. So Curtis Samuel, I'm not sure if he should be picked up unless you're, you're in a very deep league. Yeah, the usage is just so inconsistent. Four targets last week. Uh, I'm pretty sure Mike Davis had more catches than Samuel had targets. Um, I wasn't anticipating them using Mike Davis like he's Christian McCaffrey, but obviously I was wrong. They literally tried to use him exactly like Christian McCaffrey. So Mike Davis, who picked him up, looks good for the next few weeks um, as, until Christian McCaffrey comes back. Curtis Samuel, on the other hand, I'm not very excited about him. So I actually would rank these the same way that you did. I do think Hunter Renfro becomes more involved because – uh, Brian Edwards is still raw. Henry Ruggs is also still raw. And Hunter Renfro, they, he, he's good. Like, I, if he's on the field, he's going to be one of the better receivers, one of the better separators. That He understands how to run routes. Um, I really like Hunter Renfro's game, honestly. Um, not because he's that token, like, uh, scrawny-looking, unathletic-looking white guy. Like, he just – he plays the game of football the right way. Um, really, really good. Uh, just love the way he plays his slot. I'm a big fan of his um, kind of reminds me of Tyler Boyd, honestly, the way they play football, just kind of both just really sound players, fundamentally sound, just know what to do. Nothing too flashy about them, but they're nice. Both of them are really good. So I like Hunter Renfro, but I do like Golden Tate the most here because Sterling Shepard injured, Saquon Barkley injured, Evan Ingram doesn't look like he has that much of a connection with either Jason Garrett or Daniel Jones yet. Although Evan Ingram is going to be, I'm definitely going to mention him on the buy low. But we'll talk about that later. Um, yeah, I think Golden Tate is going to be the safety valve for Daniel Jones. Five t- catches in each of the last two games. Um, the yardage hasn't been there, but Golden Tate's a guy that he can catch those. And then there'll be those few games where he breaks one, goes for 60 yards and a touchdown. And then you have an 18-point Golden Tate game. And your floor is pretty much going to be like nine points. Your ceiling is going to be anywhere from 18 to 23, depending on how many tackles he's breaking. Um, but the usage is only going to go up from here, I think. He's kind of getting in tune with Daniel Jones again, and we're going to see these 9, 10, 11, 12 target games come for Golden Tate. So if he's available right now, he's probably one of my favorite people to pick up. Um, obviously, we kind of knew Daniel Jones would start slow. Before the season, we did say he's a, guy, he's a guy that has QB1 upside, but he's probably going to be on the waiver wire after week three because he started with Pittsburgh, Chicago, and San Francisco. And now the schedule lightens up. Um, he probably will see some tough defenses here and there, but it won't be – the gauntlet of those three really good defenses 
So things will get easier for Daniel Jones. I'm pretty much buying the entire New York Giants passing attack right now. This defense can't stop anything. And the offense, like, if they're going to rely on Devonta Freeman, Deion Lewis, and who's the other guy, Wayne Gallman? Um, maybe they do, honestly, because the New York Giants just typically suck since Eli Manning left. But who knows? I think, I think they're going to throw the ball a lot. I think they're going to put everything on Daniel Jones' shoulders and see what they have in him for sure. So I think Daniel Jones is crazy because I really like him as a player and he's had flashes of being really, really good. I think they're going to see what they have in him. And if he doesn't deliver, they might be in the market for a quarterback uh, this offseason. So with that said, I like Golden Tate the most out of those. Um, outside of that, I don't really think there's any other receivers to talk about, Tyler. Any receivers that kind of come off, jump off the page for you? Yeah, not really at the moment. I'm going to check some waivers, but for the most part, as far as like uh, waiver pickups, nothing really pops out. Um, it's a weird it, waiver week. I feel like nothing is like league winning. Like there's no, I guess that happens as the season goes on. Yeah. Like but, you have this little middle ground in the season where there aren't really many injuries. Yeah. Like you, you deal with injuries the first couple of weeks, the significant ones, and then after a while, you know, you'll have ones here, ones here and there that will be significant. There'll be like a one or two waiver pickups. But um, yeah, for the most part, like we're, we're just uh, trying to understand like, like who are, what the roles are for the players. Yeah. And for those roles, like most of them are already on the teams by now because like we, we've gone through the first two phases of uh, waiver wire pickups. So there isn't much to be discussed this week um if you're in a deep league and you're looking for another desperate play adam humphreys is a guy that has been getting pretty decent uh volume the past couple weeks he finished with seven targets uh this week and then six targets the week before with aj brown out he's still questionable to play this week and yeah honestly <laughs> i forgot that the titans were as a whole were questionable yeah to play this week. <laughs> their uh, injury report might be funny this week not even yeah. not even going to be in the facility until Saturday. So that's insane. That's yeah. Pittsburgh. Awesome. You're looking at a Pittsburgh W on Sunday. They're going to start four zero. I don't think the Titans win this game with like zero preparation or whatever. Um, but I do want to move on to tight ends here because this is actually the one player that I do think is probably the best pickup off waivers. But I'll let you uh, finish before I get to the tight ends. I'm just looking through the waiver wire and I see someone that could have a bit more upside with a quarterback change. Anthony Miller is someone very that true. could be very interesting as the season moves forward. We saw uh, Nick Foles go in there. I think he, they were down 16 points when he was in there, 26 to 10. Yeah. So, you know, what we saw comparing Foles to Mitchell Trubisky, Foles takes the shots. He he, he does exactly. not – like, he, he just he, – he says to hell with it. I'm going to throw the 50-50 ball. He's not afraid to throw the ball downfield. And obviously that helps everyone that the Bears offense, but that could make Anthony Miller more fantasy relevant than he has been the past couple of weeks. And we saw him score a touchdown at the end. I think it was the last touchdown before. Um, it was the last touchdown to put them either ahead or tied it up. But um, yeah, if – Nick Foles is competent in this offense, which I think I believe that he could. He could easily be the number two behind Allen Robinson. And for those of you who were listening last week, 
and you heard buy low Allen Robinson, you must be feeling pretty damn good right now because Nick Foles targeted him, targeted him in the, the red zone or like right when he got in and he had a, a, a touchdown taken away from him, which I think should have been a touchdown, but ended up being an interception. But uh, even at that, he still finished with 23 points because he scored uh, later on in the game. He's just – Foles is just a straight-up upgrade to Mitchell Trubisky, and we're seeing that right now. And obviously, Odd Robinson gets an upgrade. I think Anthony Miller gets an upgrade as well, has flex potential moving forward. So somebody dropped Anthony Miller through the first two weeks of the season. Anthony, he, he's someone that you should look to uh, as a waiver pickup. Yeah, and, I'm, uh, I'm definitely, has, definitely. Always more. Uh, I think he has more season-long value than guys like uh, Hunter Renfro and um, who's the guy that we mentioned? Uh, Curtis Samuel. Curtis Samuel. Yeah, yeah so I agree good, with that. I think Anthony Miller before both those guys. I agree. I agree. I would put Miller second on that list. I still want Golden Tate just because I think he has a chance to see so much volume, and he's not playing next to Allen Robinson. Um, yeah, Allen Robinson, uh, <laughs> wide receiver one. Allen, wide receiver one. Allen Robinson is back. Um, that's for sure. Ton of targets, ton of catches, ton of yards. He's one of the alpha receivers in the NFL. He just doesn't get treated like it. And Nick Foles definitely treat him like it. So that's good. We'll see that again. Um, Nick Foles at this point is honestly just Ryan Fitzpatrick with a really, really good playoff run. That's really what he is. And you love to see it. It's he makes the offense more exciting for fantasy purposes. And they're 3-0. and So if Foles turns it on, like, you're going to be looking at a Bears team that could be like 6-7-1 or seven and one for, for no reason. Like, for no reason. They're not that good. But crazy things happen. It's 2020. Anything can happen. But I do want to move to the tight ends here. The one player that I think is actually worthy of a waiver wire pickup, like you using your waiver priority, is going to be TJ Hawkinson. Um, he looks just better than the people that are guarding him. Like, we heard he looked unguardable in camp. And part of that... I thought was due to the fact that the Lions, like name a Lions linebacker that should be able to cover him. No one, but TJ Hawkins is just, he's just killing people left and right. Um, his usage hasn't been to the point where you want it to be. Um, I think he ran a, ran a route on 90% of the snaps that he was on the field. So they're using him as a receiving threat more so than a blocking threat that they were in the first two weeks. So he's all seven targets. Like I said, the average depth of target got better. Um, TJ Hawkinson is a guy that still has like top six tight end uh, potential from here on out. And if you can get that off the waiver wire, pick him up. Like if you had Dallas Goddard, pick him up. If you have been streaming tight ends, pick up TJ Hawkinson. Kenny Galladay elevates this entire offense on TJ Hawkinson is going into, he's in year two as a tight end. Um, I think the potential for him to be a tight end one is very, very high right now. And these guys do not just grow on trees. Like he has, he has potential to be a consistent contributor for the Detroit lions, potentially even the number two receiving target behind Galladay. I'm all in on picking up TJ Hawkinson. He's my favorite pickup of the week. Um, outside of that, we have two other tight ends. Eric Ebron played really well with Deontay Johnson out. So if Deontay Johnson is out, go ahead and pick up Eric Ebron. And Jimmy Graham, I hate mentioning this name, but he had six catches, 60 yards, and two touchdowns. They're using him like, I think you said Seattle, Jimmy Graham. Like just a fade route, lob it up. He's six six, whatever, how tall he is. He'll go up and get the ball. Red zone monster. Um with Nick Foles, he got seven targets with Nick Foles in the game. So Nick Foles kind of knows who he's going to throw to right now. I think it's going to be a concentrated target tree between Robinson, Miller, Graham, and potentially David Montgomery. Um, yeah, I, I like those three. I think the one guy that I'm really prioritizing this week is TJ Hawkinson.
That wraps up our week four waivers pod. If you want us to answer your questions, make sure to ask us on social media. Our social media accounts are linked in the description of this podcast. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, make sure you hit that subscribe button.